welcome to episode five of Wise Choice, an official Wise Music podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Adam. And I'm Paula, and we are the Daydream Club, your digital crate diggers rummaging around for awesome tunes and stories. Yeah, and this one, this this episode started with a selection from one of the Wise team um, with a track by Japan. And I hadn't known much about Japan, but listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, this sounds like 80s synth classic stuff. So I thought, yeah, we'll build a whole 80s episode, um, only to find as we got into it that actually uh, that track didn't, came out in 1979 and they had stuff before that as well. So, And there's a whole uh, like a host of sounds within the Japan catalogue, really, isn't there? Yeah, well, I think they, so they formed in 1974 and they kind of started out as a bit of a glam rock band, um, but they were the ones that, they. it seems like they managed to, stretch into the 80s and push the kind of sound into what becomes post-punk new wave new romantics which apparently they really didn't like to be called they refused (laughs) to be called new romantics oh Um, okay (laughs) they they hadn't actually been part of the scene which was um birmingham and london the you know the blitz kids so maybe they didn't consider themselves as part of that they were just experimenting or something with they yeah they were just pushing sounds but we'll get to all of that how they helped push the sound into the 80s, I think. Um, mm. They were definitely a big big part of that. Yeah. But maybe, you know, because they were at the forefront of it, they might have got a... I don't know, when you're the one pushing the sound... Pioneering Yeah, then things. someone else takes Maybe you don't over. consider yourself as part of, like, a genre. I don't know, you're just sort of experimenting. Just creating. Yeah. yeah, I think it does seem like they just wanted to create what they wanted to create. Nice. But so when then digging into it more, I found um, a track called Suburban Love, released in 1978 off their album Adolescent Sex. And it's so funky. Yeah. Ridiculously funky. It, it's just great. I loved it. It's a completely different sound to what I was you know, thinking. But you can see the progression from the 70s and maybe disco and funk influences. I think in this track, they even say... Earth, wind, earth, wind, and fire. Okay, maybe that's a little nod. Yeah, a little nod to earth, wind, and fire. Something they would like in, I don't know. It could be an earth, wind, and fire track, really. Yeah, that's cool. I I have to admit, as soon as the guitar riff sort of starts with this one, I was just like, yeah, into it. That's really cool. It feels like it should be a theme tune for something. Like it should be, you know, like a a TV program. You could totally hear that guitar part as like the, the opening yeah, definitely. Or something. Um, um, I felt. I, I felt like I. Sh- I'd I feel like I recognise it, but I'm not sure that I do. Um, <laughs> it feels familiar, uh, even though I wasn't overly familiar with Japan catalogue. Cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's a catchy riff. It's um, super catchy. I had a fun fact about Japan. Actually. Fun fact. So, <laughs> in an interview with Mojo in 1999, David, the lead singer David Sylvian, says that the name Japan came from a travel brochure found on the floor of the bus on the way to the band's first gig and he says he hates the name but it was just a mask to hide behind and that he was trying to be anything but himself because he thought it was the only way he could survive and actually so all the band name uh, band uh, members changed their names as well so his name's david sylvian but it's actually david bat and his brother's in the band steve jansen he calls himself but he's actually steve bat and you know so they all had this persona and this larger-than-life outfits and look, which, again, leads into the New Romantics, which they're not part of, but they're definitely doing something. Maybe previously influenced by David mm-hmm. Bowie as well, who was big in the glam rock and mm-hmm. 
all of the persona scenes. So there's lots of stuff going on. Um, nice. But let's let's play that suburban love, okay. sweet sweet. We've been funk. talking about that, yeah, awesome tune. So we should play it. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, am I right? I, uh, I think it's a it's a long track, but we're going to play it. It is long in its full. I, it wasn't it seven minutes or I think something. It's seven minutes, yeah, around that. But yeah, we're not a radio, so we're not going to clip it. We're yeah. doing the whole thing because the solo at the end is just getting into the groove. And I just I don't want to cut you off. Just yeah. uh, you just play it, man. Yeah. Just play. It. <laughs> so. This is Suburban Love by Japan. Um, here we go.
Do you know what I mean? It felt like they just that keep going fun. as well. That was four minutes. Uh, yeah, we just, I'd forgotten we just how long after. that solo was, but we yeah, we <laughs> made note of it this time. It's four minutes yeah, long. I think the song pretty much kind of, the songy song ends and then they start jamming oh, from wow. a, for about four minutes with so, synth solos and guitar solos. It's great. I love it's that. so good. That's like, that's a sign of a musician's band, isn't it? Where you're not trying to sort of make this pop produced thing. You're just creating yeah. and like jamming i don't know i think that's quite a, a disco thing actually to do like yeah, an extended totally. version of a track although i don't think it's a version i think that's just the it. track yeah um but you know and to just for the groove to just keep on going forever yeah keep people <laughs> on the dance floor <laughs> yeah and then you fade out as if the party's still going that's kind of why sometimes you do a fade out as well yeah, so it feels cool. like it's never actually ended yeah it's going still on going you're just not there to hear yeah, it and party nice. um so that's cool so then in um 1979 they so released quiet life mm. is it one year it wasn't i it? think it was 1978 yeah. yeah so one year later um and i'm guessing you know sounds were starting to change a bit synths had started to come into the world approaching the 80s so before <laughs> they you know they're quite guitar-y based band all you know very musician based but then synths were coming in as we we're getting closer to the 80s and in 1979 they worked on a track called life in tokyo with uh, Giorgio Moroder, mm. who's like the pioneer of synths and like the the spearhead of synth music, yeah. worked with Daft Punk in more recent years. <sighs> Very cool. So you can kind of get an image of his sound. Did lots of like arpeggiated synthy stuff. Yeah, just super cool synth guy and producer. So he he was producing this track, and I presume you know that must have. Influence, influenced maybe? and driven their sound a bit more into like hey synths are really cool you should yeah. try using them more like that you know and uh, they, they clearly did with this next track and album um but they said that they didn't feel that maroda was the right fit for a whole album um so which, they just wanted a little taste yeah. of it and then sort of taking the direction yeah i mean i don't know it didn't i couldn't get to the groups of why but maybe it's just they you know he's got great taste but maybe it was just more of a you know they, sometimes you just don't necessarily gel with someone you know I or maybe know. you know they've clearly got their own influences as well that they're bringing so you want a, a mesh of all of that maybe if they'd have worked for the whole album yeah uh, it would have ended up a different beast well i think i mean that i don't think that track actually did very well in the chart wise mm. Um, whether they were happy with it or not. But anyway, it definitely influenced the out, uh, direction for Quiet Life album. Um, so their first two albums were kind of all but ignored in England, actually. I feel uh, like we took... This is the common theme. I know, especially when it, in England. Why are England always overlooking things? However, oh, they on. had 30,000 fans in Japan, the country, uh, before their deb debut album was even released there. This is amazing. I that's mean, awesome. That's, that's a really uh, like that's a clever was, name. Uh, well, isn't I was going to say they probably didn't. Obviously, they didn't name the band for that reason. But actually, like it's, it's a really well. good marketing trick for, yeah, <laughs> for like yeah, new bands. Maybe. And what's the biggest, thing? most populated country in the world? India, maybe. Should we call ourselves India? Maybe. Get some immediate fans. That'd be great. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's cool. And um, life in Tokyo as well. The name of the track. Yeah, Pretty definitely. Cool. I think that was a massive hit in Tokyo. There you go then. But not so much everywhere else. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, maybe maybe that's all you need. I don't know. Probably I'd be happy for a massive fans. hit in Tokyo. <laughs> um, 
So Quiet Life lyrics refer to the problems the band were going through at the time. Uh, they'd lost their US record contract and mm. Hansa Records had been pressuring them for a hit single in the UK, mm. um, which they did actually later achieve a top 20 hit with Quiet Life in 1981. Mm. But it was a re-release compilation. That's so ridiculous. Mm. That's, that's it's the same track. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, just, oh, people are obviously a bit more ready for it. Well, again, going back to or them. Or is maybe it marketing being, and PR, maybe having a bit more of a budget? It could be, but I also think going back to, you know, what we were saying about them being maybe at the forefront of a new sound. Maybe people you know, weren't quite ready for this. Maybe weren't, yeah. They were right, you know, coming straight. In fact, right before the 80s actually hit, mm. they were coming in with synths and a whole new new wave which is why they're part credited for the birth of of that sound then really no i wouldn't say they're not credited for the birth they're they're just it's clear that they were part of something that was driving you know that emerging scene yeah and you can definitely hear especially on this track once we when we play it the the influence i think they would have had on duran duran and and there is definitely a connection there because i also read that um Duran Duran were allegedly fans and they even asked Sylvian to produce their music. Ooh. But he declined. Oh, is this because he didn't want to be, he didn't class himself as like new romantic? They didn't. It they could be that. I don't know. It didn't, I couldn't figure it out either. But you it's know, not enough on the internet. He's an artist <laughs> and he makes his choices, you know. True. It's just how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but whatever. It's still, it's a great track. And um, I kind of like that it, it's one, you know, when you think of the 80s, there's certain tracks you think of. But I like this, you know, it's, it's like the, the start of it all, you, yeah. you know, as it's coming in. So let's, uh, let's play it. Yeah, so this is Quiet Life by Japan.
Oh, that riff, that synth riff, though. You can really, really hear the influence on people like Duran Duran, I think. Yeah. Like, well, I did look. And so Duran Duran didn't form until 1980. And this album was released in 1979. So it would have been, the timeline yeah, relevant, matches up. And that's, that's quite, you know, you could see how that could influence them. And they could be like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Let's try and, you know, do 100%, a bit of that. 100%. You could totally see like that being out and you know you're starting a band and you're hearing these awesome tracks and being like i love this this yeah. is you know a really cool direction that we could and cool cool for duran duran actually to maybe tap into what might have been a bit more underground music at the time yeah, yeah that's yeah. quite cool so japan disbanded in 1982 i think they had a run of about six years um just as they were getting commercial success um, and they, they broke that's, up due uh, to tensions within the band. I was say, that's a familiar story as well. It so happens that... so often, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, maybe the more the microscope is put put on you, the the bigger the problems that were small seem maybe. I and for how long it takes actually to get to the point where you, you, your commercial success, like you struggled, like you said, you know, they you weren't... work for 30 yeah. years to become an overnight success <laughs> or something. Yeah, that's definitely something. Yeah. Um, although they weren't going for 30 years. No, six but, years. Um, Still, yeah, I mean, you just get into where you always imagine you wanted to be and then to find that maybe it's not what you wanted. Or is it that you're, you know, you've made, you're a commercial success now, so you have more freedom to be able to go and do solo projects or... Or you're more restricted because now you're a commercial success, you've got to start shooting out some more hits. There might be more pressure from the label Mm -hmm. to be like, we want more hits, we want more quiet life. And they do seem like a band that like, no, we want to do middle eastern inspired you know ambient music or something else you yeah. know and, and they have moved through a heart. few genres haven't they yeah which i, I admire i, I definitely like, like to skip through genres but i don't know whether labels are so uh <laughs> um yeah flexible with things like that they're like no you're this sound yeah we're yeah. gonna put you in this box so well I, I did read that sylvian wanted to write more melancholic ambient material and the rest of the band wanted more up-tempo pieces ah, like okay. what they've been doing and on top of that, the band loved touring, Sylvian didn't. Mm. So it's a bit of a clash of, That's you know, hard. personalities and, and where they were each at in that time. Mm. So, it, however, it did then lead to uh, David going solo. And he, in 1984, he released a track called Nostalgia on his debut solo album, Brilliant Trees. And um, I just wanted to include a little snippet of that because it does... He did go more melancholic, ambient pop. Okay. And it's really gorgeous what he's done. Ooh, okay. It's super spacious, like low tempo drums and this lovely like, vocal melody, which could be something you could picture James Blake doing or something. Mm. You know? All right, let's uh, have a little listen to like, that. Min- it is basically like early minimalist James Blake, but with different kind of production. In, eight, in 1984. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> with maybe... Roxy music-esque vocal on top. Okay. <laughs> it's quite a mix. <laughs> yeah, see what That's you think intriguing. of that. That's intriguing. Go on, see let's have a little I'm right or not. So this is uh, Nostalgia by David Sylvian.
vocal intro oh, I was going to say that is right up my street just that humming like beginning oh yeah, my God. and the that. James Blake suggestion like yeah that totally that hear first that line. Mm-hmm. that feels so James Blake to oh, me oh it's and beautiful on that, pedal and the pedal bass yeah now, so for those I have of you to say that is one of my all time favourite things like I suppose composing tricks like to have a, a whole song across one pedal I know that it doesn't because it, it changes um, but for that really long intro just on that one pedal it's just for those of you that are not Ooh. so musically inclined a pedal is when the bass note is held the same and the chords and stuff are changing on top just to fill you just in just gives you it the is space a nice, and the tension and just it creates a little bit tension, of intrigue but it's not too much as well it gives you just, yeah time it's i think space. it gives you time yeah oh i like oh. that yes yeah, so that's i like doing we I do could, that quite I a lot heard, i could have heard more of that yeah, yeah yeah that was i think my description was quite accurate I for that i was actually really impressed by that yeah, yeah thanks I, you know, <laughs> I don't just you know because as well when the vocals come in after the hum the hum's totally like you can really feel like that sort of james blakey and the yeah. minimalist drum percussive, percussive bits in the pedal but then when the vocals come in the roxy music yeah. reference is great that's it uh yeah so very good <laughs> well done you <laughs> yeah that's nice i know my stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, are we, what are we going to next What's so happening? um one of the previous japan collaborators was ryuki sakamoto a composer and they worked on a track called taking islands in africa and uh, that was a collaboration that then carried on through david sylvian's career onwards and they kept like returning and working together and in 1983 they worked together for part of the soundtrack for um merry christmas mr lawrence which i didn't actually know the film but I'm not, no, the, the theme that. tune is called merry christmas mr lawrence by ryuki sakamoto and you'll know the theme tune okay so we don't know the film but no and i just had to put this in because i love that theme tune is it christmasy and for part of the soundtrack uh david sylvian has kind of taken the theme tune and created a bit of a like a, a, a different cover version of it and called it forbidden forbidden colors hmm. so it's got elements of the theme tune and then his own elements he's put in and uh it's just really nice, but I, I just wanted, I'd love that theme tune. It's so, it's what, nailed what, it. What was the film about then? Um, I think it was a, a prison, Prisoner of War oh. um, <laughs> so it's film. Not, it's not, not very Christmassy. Christmassy. <laughs> World War Two kind of thing. And it actually has okay. David Bowie in the film. What? He plays Major Jack Strafer Selliers, I think it is. Um, yeah. Of course Bowie's Sounds in it. It's random to think Bowie, Bowie in a World War II film, but apparently it was really good. I yeah. need to see it. Okay, we'll have to uh, check that out then. Isn't it strange though that I, I I'm not seeing the film, that I couldn't have told you the title of the film or that Bowie was in it, but really know the theme tune. I don't know that. I know the theme tune. You yeah, do, you will, it. you'll know it. Okay. Trust me, you'll know it. Let's have a little listen. But that, isn't that interesting that the music has maybe transcended the film well that's popular culture though so i suppose if uh like soundtracks often come in charts and things don't they so mm. maybe it's a case of that but then do you think the soundtrack if it takes off the music can live would, on it... for longer mm, yeah maybe the music doesn't age no okay. <laughs> i don't know it probably does age <laughs> but uh, anyway um this is forbidden colors by Ray, uh, ryuki sakamoto and david silver <laughs> Thank you. 
Big 80s tracks as well. There's quite a few different sounds for the 80s, you know, like the big fist pumping, <laughs> footloose kind <laughs> yeah. of power um, ballad type. Yeah, thing. and there, you know, there's definitely that's another episode to be done, I think. Uh, but this is more introvert, kind of dark mm. and, and quite cool. So I was looking for more like that. Um, and I came across uh, The Passions. I'm in love with a German film style, which was released in 1981 uh, by British post punk new wave band. Um, they formed in 1978 as well, but obviously went through into the 80s with embracing, the, you know, the cool synthy sounds and stuff. And, mm. and this track hit number 25 in the UK pop chart in the winter of 1981. Wow. Um, and again, they disbanded in 1983. I mean, it's just another short run, but yeah. oh. um, I really love the vibe of this track. It's one of them ones that doesn't really go anywhere too big it doesn't have any massive crescendos or dynamics i'm into that i like it, that it's I just like that. constant vibe that just keeps going for four minutes or whatever mm. yeah okay no yeah, it's gonna be a long episode this one all these yeah. tracks they've really taken their <laughs> Seven sweet minutes, time five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and i'm allowing them to as well so <laughs> yeah it's very cool i really like this this is the passions i'm in love with a german film star
that. Me too. And I've never heard it before. It's it's a whole new discovery. And that's what I love about this podcast is that like we're discovering new tracks and adding them to our rotation, like our life, adding it to our memories and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's just great. Um, and also that sort of ties into the whole what's new to you like it doesn't have to be like a new release as in a new artist it's just when you're discovering it is new new to you yeah yeah yeah, definitely and that sort of shows with the fact that Kate Bush was like in the charts this year uh, obviously with the exposure from Stranger Things and and we were on a walk the other day and we we literally passed two 12 year old boys on skateboards jamming like just rocking out to Babushka by Kate Bush such a random scene it's so weird and the, Babushka as well of all, not, it wasn't just running up the hill yeah it wasn't, wasn't running up the hill it was Babushka in the back catalogue so they've obviously wow. then delved into the artist which is and amazing I absolutely adore that and yeah. I guess that's one benefit of the streaming generation you know it, it's all there it's all accessible to rediscover and to be like new yeah. if you don't look at the dates you, it could be any time that it's been released and this is this is a new one for us, and it's going to go into my new rotation on yeah. playlists. It's great. I'm in love with a German film star. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Really cool vibe. Such a vibe. So after that, I carried on digging, and I uh, wanted to try and find more. And I realized that, you know, obviously the scene, New Wave, kind of it started in the UK. So a lot of the artists so far have been British. But, you know, it spreads from there. And I wanted to see where else it went. So I came across this Australian band that formed in 1980, um, called The Church, and they had this track called uh, Reptile released in 1988, and I just really loved it. And it's kind of tapped into that same kind of sound, Uh, a bit more guitar-led, but I like the the guitar riff on it. It's so catchy. Ooh, okay. Okay. It's a real earworm, this one, for me. It's really got in my head. So it's just a little snippet of uh, Reptile by The Church. Got such a good energy that yeah, one. It's got good it just energy. gets you, doesn't it? And it feels so eighties as well, doesn't it? Do so some like... sort of montage to yeah, it or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's crying out for a montage. Like a like rocky it. workout, like scene. a freeze frame jump type Punching thing, like some meat or yes. something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that's what it's got me doing anyway. That's already in my rotation. Yeah. That's my cleaning my teeth, getting myself going. <laughs> track right now. <laughs> oh I don't oh. know if it is, I don't know how that fits into the where Rocky would have been anyway um, <laughs> um, I also then came across a Norwegian band oh, okay. called Bel Canto they formed in 1985 
and uh, released a track called Without You in 1987. And uh, I just love the, the textures they've used in this one. Mm. It's, it's, it's quirky and so 80s in, in the sounds. Like there's certain sounds that you can't quite tell whether it's like a sampled car door being shut or if, you know, it's a bass or, you know, mm. they were experimenting at that time with different sounds. And yeah, it's just... It, it, it doesn't it's not trying to be this big pop song yeah that's cool i think it's cool they've had um comparisons to like the cocteau twins as well which i, I can hear the comparisons but still quite different as yeah. well it's its own uh, thing yeah nice but there are you know you can hear they're experimenting with sounds in the same way cocteau twins did and, and they've got a female lead um yeah, which is cool and a fun fact fun fact they were one of the <laughs> my fun facts yeah yeah they were one of the first Norwegian bands to sign a record contract abroad. Wow, in the eighties. In uh, well, so yeah, 80s, must have been. Yeah. I don't know exactly when, but yeah, it was around the eighties. So they formed in eighty-five. So it would be sometime after that. Wow, that's pretty fun. Yeah, that is a good fact. It's good. Also, fact, isn't it? not expected. I, I don't know whether I thought it. I'd have thought it'd be soon. I mean, yeah, what have they been doing been... this whole time? Before that, <laughs> maybe England Just keeping was it local. In... Oh, well, I don't even know whether with it signed to a British record contract or like an american one maybe it was quite insular and it sort of kept her their own countries before that i don't know maybe, maybe. Oh, fun. <laughs> so this is without you by bel canto See what I mean about that? Yeah. There's something about it, isn't it? it there and those is. little teasers are just. Oh, I just want to hear a bit you, more. Yeah, I was going to say enough to make you want to go and look it up and have a bit more of a listen. Yeah, definitely something about that. Um, but looking, we're, we're 44 minutes in. We said it was going to be a, a long episode, <laughs> but we are down to the last track. But it's a two-parter, so yeah. So if you've come this far, well done. But also, you've got some good staying power for today's modern, you know, time where no one's got any attention span. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but like it's such a great, great track that we're going to be featuring next. And also, there's just so many interesting stories behind it. Um, yeah, so this is the, oh, the last track fun. of the episode, but it's a two-parter. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with the original version. And I almost did a spoiler in the in the last episode as well. Um, yeah. But we'll get to that anyway. So <laughs> the track is, and it's quite, you know, we're covering what you would think. When you think of the 80s, you th you'd think of this track, Tainted Love. 100%. Such an epic track by Soft Cell. And some some people out there, you know, especially kids, maybe might think that 
that is the original because they did such a good job of it as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. You know, making it their own. But for actually, me, that's what I thought. Was I think the I probably song. did for some time, yeah. but then obviously digging into stuff before all of this. Yeah. Um, and watching so the a few original, documentaries. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The original was by Gloria Jones, originally released in 1964. Um, but it wasn't a hit, was it? So in 1973, there's a story around yeah. it um, from from Gloria Jones herself. I saw an interview, and she said that in 1973, a sailor had a 45 inch copy and needed some cigarettes. <laughs> So standard, yeah. He uh, exchanged uh, his forty-five uh, for ciggies, um, and then that person took it to the then blossoming northern soul scene in the UK, um, and it became a classic floor filler. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you don't know what northern soul is, you need to go back to our last episode, episode four, to check out. You know, northern soul. We did all about northern soul nice. and the scene and yeah. all the awesome music and how it became you know, such a, a cool subculture. Yeah. Um, and this was one of the big, big hitters big of it. Um, we saved it for this episode because it kind of ties in with yeah. what we're doing right now as well. Um, such a great track. Um, but, and, but Gloria Jones didn't know. No one had told her that it was like a massive hit in the UK. Right? Yeah, that's it. I'm she right didn't, that, she I didn't know. Um, so <laughs> you're jumping ahead of my notes there and I'm getting completely oh, lost. <laughs> but I'm just thinking back to that documentary. I remember like she was, she, she was like, you know, no one told her. It wasn't like a massive hit in... In her time, in 1964, it wasn't huge, which was the case with a lot of Northern mm. Soul tracks, you know, and it kind of then goes under the radar. She carries on her life. And then there's a resurgence, you know, in, in, the, in the 70s and... And onwards with, you know, the UK scene just picking up randomly mm. on these these tracks that they just found in America and brought back. Mm. Um, and, and amazingly, that then creates a scene and a whole thing. But yeah, she, she didn't know. Um, Which I don't think she minded it not being a hit because didn't she not particularly love the title or the... the so the let me fill you in. Um, so <laughs> she, she said on, on the program Top 2000 A Go-Go, which I can lose many an hour oh, on YouTube. Highly recommended um, watching, by the way, if you've not I think not it's a Dutch-based... Yeah, uh, it's really good. they do lots of great interviews. Um, and she said she never liked the song. She was a minister's daughter coming from a church that oh, didn't believe in makeup or going to shows or kissing, very strict yeah. like rules. And and the quite word tainted mm. was very offensive, um, and so she she found that quite difficult. And she's like, "Sorry, Dad." You know. Oh, no. what? So did she actually ask? <laughs> she said that on then? the oh, current really? program as a grown woman. I think she still feels <laughs> guilty about it. Um, wow. And yeah. she was really gutted that they wanted to release it as the B side. Record label wanted to release it as the B side to her track, "My Bad Boys Coming Home." What did she not want it released at all then? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't. Yeah, maybe she didn't want it. But I also thought, well, I wonder how her dad felt about my bad boys coming home as well. <laughs> Neither of them bode well for that uh, strict oh, church no. scene by the sounds of it. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, what a yeah, great tune. Amazing voice. And uh, Are we going to play a little bit of... Since, you know, since it doing well with Tainted Love, I think she's, you know, been able to enjoy some appreciation again. Okay. That she missed out on. Yeah. In the first time around. Because I, I do think, I remember in that documentary, she was saying if she'd have known it was a hit in the UK, she, she yeah, would have she would have been maybe a teenager yeah. when it started to do well. And if she'd have known, she said, I would have come over and yeah. I could have had a career. Enjoyed it, yeah, exactly. Career. Mm. Um, anyway, so we've kept you waiting long enough. Here's a, yeah. a little <laughs> snippet of Tainted Love by Gloria Jones. 
What a voice. Oh, she's going to say the same. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you can see why that was a, a floor filler as well. Like, it just, yeah, it's got the right it's stuff. Such a good song. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Great. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. struggling to move on from that one. But we are on to the last track. And, and it was hard to choose, actually, because there are just so many covers of Tainted Love. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Soft Souls version is a cover. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it wasn't hard to choose for this episode. No. You know, because we were think 80s. Of the eighties. That is <laughs> such a classic eighties track, and uh, released in nineteen eighty one. Yeah. So kind of at the start of the decade. Um, the story, according to Gloria Jones, on that same interview, she says that um, Soft Souls Mark Almond was working in a disco cloakroom where they were having a sixties revival night, and they played Tainted Love, her version. Um, and he then ran over to the DJ and begged him for a copy and just like, instantly loved it. Um, and around the same time, David Ball, the other half of Soft Cell, was like getting really into craft work. Oh, and I think cool. you can hear the, the two like, influences coming together at the same point, and that's the result of their version of Soft Cell. It's so those two married together, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's cool. I also... Track. Oh, yeah, fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> I'm full of fun. Third one for the episode. Um, Go on, then. What's this I didn't one? even write this one down. I just <laughs> remembered it, actually. Um, they, they, they met uh, while studying at uh, art school or something. Mm. And the scenario was that um, Mark Almond was doing this like very arty project where it was like a live performance. He was naked what? and kind of involved some sort of writhing around. What? And, really? Very provocative and like trying to elicit some kind of like raw response. Yeah, and he he wanted David Ball to create some music to go with it. Wow, and that was kind of where they got their start. Joking, I'm pretty sure that's an amazing origin story. Isn't it crazy? Wow, and so it kind of. I had no idea. That's that provocative element of him. I think you know he liked that it's tainted. He probably Mm. leaned into the fact that it's tainted love. And he said he liked the snarly lyrics within it, and he could he could relate because he wanted to escape, and you know, it's cool, isn't it? I love little inter. So lots of reasons as stories. to why he really wanted to sort of do a version of that track. Then it's not just oh like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's not track. just the one thing, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool. So we'll leave you with that track, "Tainted Love" by Soft Cell. We are Adam and Paula from the Daydream Club, and you've been listening to the Wise Choice Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. Take it steady. Bye. Bye.
If you enjoyed our show, you might also like Composing Myself. It's another wise music podcast which features interviews with composers and writers getting into the nitty gritty about how they write and their process behind it all. You can find links to it in our podcast or just search for Composing Myself on your platform of choice.